In this episode, I sit down with Cy Wakeman to discuss leadership and why ego is one of the worst things you can do as a leader. Get ready, because you are now listening to Tiny Leaps. Big change. Big Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, I sit down with Cy Wakeman. She is the author of No Ego and Reality-Based Leadership. And we are here to discuss what it is like both from an employee's point of view and from a leader's point of view, as well as how those two things overlap and should overlap in the workplace. So Sai, thank you so much for joining us. I am pumped to learn about these two books. I'm pumped to learn about your story and just better understand how you got to the philosophies that you talk about in these books. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely glad to be here. So just as a disclaimer to the listeners, uh, I have not read either of these books, but I have done a bit of research on Sai. And the reason she's on this show is because I honestly believe that her philosophies around leadership could help quite a few people. Like I'm, I'm thinking of very specific people that, that listen to this show and have reached out to me about these topics. So Sai, uh, why don't you give us just a little bit about who you are, what you currently do, and what uh, the new book, No Ego, is is meant to solve? What problem is it solving? Sure. I'm known as a drama researcher, and that's an unusual name for um, some people to get their minds around. But I actually study how much time and money is drained from our organizations and how much energy is drained from our people um, from drama, which we talk about as emotional waste in the workplace. And No Ego really was a book that highlighted my research on ways I was able to quantify the amount of drama in your workplace, which is a staggering two and a half hours per day per headcount, and really take a look at the cost of that drama, not only financially, but the cost of it in morale and motivation, and, and really take a look at what's the source of drama and then why our current leadership practices were not diffusing this drama. In fact, I found out that they're actually fueling the drama and really igniting the ego. So I propose not just what we're doing wrong, but also some great solutions on what we could do differently with a more modern way of seeing leadership to move us forward. But pretty amazing opportunity, 816 hours a year per headcount of energy that we could recommission back to uh, Peace, love, happiness, and results. So I've got a million and a half questions just from that. Um, my listeners know me as being incredibly curious. In fact, the, the whole reason I started this show was as an excuse to sort of explore my curiosity. Um, the first thing I want to jump in on is is just the whole entire concept of researching how many hours is lost because of drama in the workplace. Uh, is this something that... Uh, an individual could do for themselves as well? Or does it have to be on an organizational level? No, no. I think, in fact, what I want for your listeners to do is just get in touch with how much of the time during their day they spend putting energy into venting, gossiping, complaining, 
being furious about things like the universe didn't consult them on how life should be. There's so many ways that we spend our precious time and energy in in ego behaviors. And a lot of it has to do with venting and gossiping and resisting change, all these things, because we don't understand that our ego is this narrator on the world. And we tend to believe what our ego spins as a story and it corrupts our, our data and we really get hooked into spending energy on a lot of things that take away from our results or happiness. So I simply, it was an accidental discovery. I was wanting to watch how physicians spent their time between an electronic medical system and the patient and ended up finding that while they spent a great deal of time with the patient and they spent some time documenting that they spend an enormous time complaining about the system or the patient. And that shocked me. It was an accidental discovery that really gave birth to this whole career. I really love that. Actually, um, I'm a big believer that uh, accidental discoveries are really the source of everything awesome in the world. Um, <laughs> so much of the, the projects I've worked on or actually the concept for this show was, was kind of an accident in, in a lot of ways as, as uh, the listeners know. So I love that that theme seems to carry out here. Um, I want to jump a little bit into, you know, how we can go about doing this audit for our life or, or maybe just some direct strategies for, for doing that. But let's jump back a bit first. You mentioned that this was an accidental discovery, but how did you, I guess, transition from what you were originally trying to do to doubling down on this and, and, and pursuing it? Like, how did you make that shift? For me, I was a therapist. I started out life as a counselor and I would work with many people who wanted to be happier and more successful. And I would help them manage their energy away from thinking about why things didn't work to thinking about how they could work. And just this continual shift away from ego and your frontal cortex of your brain back to you know, your mammal part of your brain, your more complex thinking part of your brain. And I did this often where I would help people eliminate emotional waste from their life by using good mental processes. So drama is waste. And the way we get rid of waste is processes. And the way we get rid of emotional waste is good mental processes. So as a counselor, I was always helping people to clean up their thinking so they could have a happier life. And when I became a leader, I realized that people really didn't have good mental processes. So for instance, many people believed that the reasons they couldn't succeed were their circumstances. And I would teach them, you know, actually your circumstances aren't the reasons you can't succeed. They're just the reality in which you must succeed. And, and so people would think that they're suffering based on their circumstances. And I would teach them actually suffering is self-imposed and in a lot of times completely optional. And so I would ask them, you know, what's wrong? And they would say, well, my boss is a micromanager. And I would say, well, what really happened? And they would say, well, he called and asked about the status of my project. And I was so intrigued by the difference between my boss called to me being furious that he's a micromanager, treats me like a child. And I just couldn't fathom how one gets from a phone call to I hate my job. And so I started to look at that waste and drama. And I found out it's because people don't use very good mental processes, like editing your story. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So, so something your listeners can use is edit your story, which is just simple. What do I know for sure? And what could I do next that would add value? So 
let's say that my boss calls me and asks the SAS of my project. I let him or her know that I'm a bit behind. They let me know they'd like me to make it priority. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a good talk. It's just reality is bosses call. I'm behind on quite a few things. I'm always juggling priorities. That's how we work today. And I just changed my priorities to what my boss needed. Mm -hmm. But my ego has a story about that. And my ego is all about he's a micromanager. He treats me like a child. He's going to fire me. And then I won't be able to put my kids through med school. And they can't help people in Africa. And kids in Uganda are going to die. And it's that (laughs) point that we believe our own thinking. We don't realize that our ego is not who we are, that what we think doesn't have to be believed and facts should be questioned. That mental process of not believing everything you think and questioning and asking what do I know for sure is a great way to conserve energy and disempower the ego and really get back to what do I know for sure and what can I do next that would add value. It's a great way to conserve your energy by using a better thought process. A quick word from our sponsor today, uh, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the simplest solution for invoicing and getting paid as a freelancer, solopreneur, entrepreneur, small business. Basically, anyone who works for themselves, works in the gig economy, works on the side with a side hustle. FreshBooks is the best way to uh, keep track of all of your stuff, uh, make sure you're getting paid on time, and send those invoices out. Um, and, and one of the reasons I love FreshBooks, because this is one of those products that I've used myself and continue to use and will be relying on come tax season. Um, one of the reasons I love them is because the nature of work is changing. Uh, we currently live in a world where it is easier than ever to make a side income. It is easier than ever to make a, f- a full-time income uh, right from the comfort of your own home. The world is not uh, created for us, the people who dream and want to build something. The world is not there to serve us. And, and so uh, we need to utilize the tools that are designed to make our lives easier because those are the tools that were fast enough once this sea change started to happen and realized what was coming. And so they built something specifically for us. That is why I love FreshBooks so much. And they're currently rebranding. They're, they're changing things to make it even easier. So the all new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and you can get paid up to four days faster. And finally, and this is the cool thing, you can see when your client has seen the invoice and put an end to the guessing game. Do you know how many times I have to follow up with uh, sponsors or clients or, or students or whomever it is that I'm, I'm billing to say, oh, did did you get did you get the invoice? Like, I, you haven't paid it yet. It's been two months. Have you have you seen? I don't have to do that anymore with FreshBooks. FreshBooks allows me to see. Okay, they did see it or they didn't see it, and remove the guessing game. It allows me to alter the way I approach them, and and there's just no more confusion. Uh, so that's why I partnered with them to get you a 30 day unrestricted free trial. And here's how you claim it. Go to freshbooks.com slash tiny and enter tiny leaps, big changes in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash tiny and enter tiny leaps, 
big changes in the how did you hear about us section. So I actually love this. Okay, a, cu- a couple of things here. One, I came into this thinking uh, that there would be a lot of value around the career side. And and uh, to the listeners of this show, you guys know about the the six pillars that I always sort of refer to. And and I felt that this would complement the career side. But what I'm realizing is, and Sai, correct me if you, if you think this is incorrect, uh, this really holds true to relationships as a whole, whether professional or personal, right? Absolutely. In fact, when I you know, do my own podcast, No Ego, or when I talk to large groups, I do keynotes and trainings, people often tell me this helps at home more than at work. Right. I think the big breakthrough at work, though, is that so much of what we have taught leaders in traditional leadership philosophy has to do with you need to inspire others or you're responsible for the engagement or happiness of others. And I was a counselor when I first got promoted and they said, I'm responsible for the happiness of others. I'm thinking I've worked of my clients so that they'd realize they can't make another person happy. That's like called codependency. And I realized we put on leaders this responsibility to create workplace happiness when happiness is a choice. And so I started to see at work where we just had a lot of things wrong in what we were teaching leaders, things that would never work. This is this is freaking brilliant. Okay. Um <laughs> Well, thank you, Greg. It's I'm, I'm just wisdom I'm, applied to the workplace. It's just age old wisdom. Right. Um, but it's it's interesting because I've never really heard it applied. And maybe it's, so just for some context, um, I, I'm 25. I, I started my career life, I guess, three years ago or however long ago I graduated. And one of the biggest things I struggle with, and I like to be transparent on this show. Uh, one of the biggest things I struggle with, one of the biggest things I talk about in therapy with is exactly what you just described. So uh, getting called in by my boss or manager and uh, immediately, even if I felt that I'm doing a good job, immediately in the back of my head is this story of, well, I screwed up on this or I'm moving too slow or, or whatever it is. And so I'm going into this conversation already like tensed up and, and ready to react if I'm being, if I feel even slightly that I'm being talked down to or whatever it is. And, and of course it's a professional environment, so I'm not reacting out loud, but, but that is sort of clouding my emotional state for that conversation. And that's where you co-create then. So if you walk by me and don't say hello, if I ask myself, what do I know for sure? I don't know anything You walked by me and potentially didn't say hello. Quantum physics would tell me you didn't even walk by me, that you're just a projection of my molecular emotion (laughs) or something. But my ego assigns motive, not the best part of me, not my highest consciousness. My highest consciousness stays in I don't know minds, but my ego assigns motive. And it's not ever positive. It's negative. But once I assign negative motive, I co-create. You know, we know from science, the observer of an experiment affects the experiment just by observing. We call it the observer principle. So you walk by me, you don't say hello. If I just conserved my energy and acted like a Buddhist, I would just go walk by noted, conserve energy, go on add value. I wouldn't waste this two and a half hours a day. But the minute I say that he's rude, ever since Greg got that promotion, he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, he's rude. Once I decide you're rude and I made that up, I treat you rudely, then you respond rudely, then I go, see, I'm right about stuff I made up. If I were a professional at work, one practice listeners can put into practice right away is always give the benefit of the doubt. 
So if I had to make up something, if I couldn't stay neutral, I would say, I'm going to make up something that since I'm co-creating would get us at least back to zero. Greg is deep in prayer and meditation for peace in the world today and didn't see me. So how do I treat you? With a lot of respect. I'm like, you rock. I just want to be by you and hang out with you. Then you go say you're a good judge of character. And I've totally created a different ending not with a vision board, not with, you know, some of the things we talk about manifesting, but with real behavior mm-hmm. that is within my power. So a lot of people say, Sai, I want to be empowered. And I'm like, step into the power you already have, which is of co-creation with a clean slate. So your ego would have you co-create defense and accusation and, you know, fear. But if you really pop behind that ego, you can co-create with just a lot of neutrality mm-hmm. and possibility. And that's within everybody's power. You don't need a different boss or a different job or anything. You can see things differently and suddenly have a different boss and a different job. Right. Right. Because because all of a sudden it means something different to you. Exactly. And it actually co-creates a different outcome. So I, I believe earlier you said that originally you were a therapist or a counselor. Like as a counselor. Yeah. I okay. worked with a. Um, adults and adolescents and, mm-hmm. you know, and just really helps people understand that when their ego's out to play and most of us don't realize that we're always being thought and that we're not the thinker, we're the observer of our thoughts. And once people can stop believing everything they think, it gives them this amazing freedom to make some different decisions. So when you wake up in the morning, you're already being thought, mm-hmm. right? You don't go, I'm going to start thinking. And too many people believe if they thought it, it's true. And where the power comes in is the ability to say, you know, is that true? Can I possibly know that to be true? Because it isn't until we believe or buy into our thinking um, that, that the trouble starts. You know, for example, when I did the research and I asked people the sources of drama, 30% of this two and a half hours a day wasted comes from ego behavior. And the number one ego behavior is venting. And people have been told for years Everybody needs time to vent. But brain science would tell us that when you vent, it creates a neural pathway that needs to be fed with more venting and negativity. And and venting feels good, but so does like crack cocaine. It's just not like a sustainable lifestyle. But if you look at leadership philosophy, we're taught to keep an open door to be there when people need to vent. And venting is the ego's way of avoiding self-reflection. And self-reflection is the first step of accountability and is the direction people need to go to have impact and purpose in the world comes from impact. So if I'm a leader and I let you vent, I'm actually, you said yourself, personal curiosity is so important to you. But if I let you vent, I'm actually enabling you to avoid personal curiosity and growth and development and having impact. And so if you came to me venting, I would stop you and I would say, you know what, what would great look like right now? If you were great, if you were at your highest self, what would you be doing right now? And the ego can't vent and self-reflect at the same time. You just can't do it. It's it's like impossible. Right. So instead of talking to you about fixing your circumstances or what you should be doing or giving you feedback or advice, all this stuff that ignites the ego, I preach about a different form of leadership that just bypasses the ego. I don't even need to deal with your ego. We all have one as the human condition. I just go, what would great look like? You're like, well... If I were being great right now, I'd be giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'd be talking to them directly. I'd be focusing on how we could make this work rather than, you know, why we can't. There's a, Everyone knows what great looks like because it's what we judge others on. It's the standard we judge others on. 
That mm-hmm. simple act of leadership that called a greatness takes all the energy away from why we can't, puts it into how we could and conserves it and redirects it almost immediately for upcycling. And it's phenomenal how leadership doesn't take years, moments, you know, it takes a few moments and it can get people using their own self-reflection to find their own answers, to make their own impact. And that's why we call it a modern form of leadership. Long, long answer to that, but thought that might be useful. <laughs> no, that that's incredibly useful. This concludes the first half of our interview with Cy Wakeman. Make sure you tune in this Friday to hear the second half. You've heard how much value she's dropped so far, and I promise you, she just turns up the heat in the next one. So make sure you tune in this Friday to catch the second half of our conversation with Cy Wakeman. Until then, find the community for this podcast on Facebook. Just head over to facebook.com and search Tiny Leaps to request access to the that group and make sure you hit subscribe so that Friday's episode and all future episodes can be dropped directly into your feed. I've been Greg Clunas. Thank you so much for listening. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day, every day, every day.